Welcome back, Two Hats family, to the Two Hats podcast. I'm Chris, your favorite tactical officer, and this is my lovely co-host. It's Brittany, your favorite PO. And that's up for debate. Today we have Rita on. She is a uh, probation officer in the state of Texas. Uh, that's the same place, same state that uh, Brittany was a PO in. So I guess we get to see how things are similar, where they worked or different. Um, Rita, go ahead and say hi to the people. Hey there. All right. All right so uh, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and start with our standard questions that we ask everyone. And then we'll let you uh, kind of talk a little bit about yourself, your background, you know, what got you into the field. And then uh, we'll dive right into the interview. Perfect. So, Rita, thinking about your agency, before we start, Texas, that's, is it a state, state, state system or a county system? We're actually kind of a hybrid, but we're, we're run by state. Uh, we're funded by um, the state but our county um, houses us. So we're a little bit of a hybrid uh, with the county and state. Are you considered a county employee or a state employee? State. You're considered a state employee. So are you able to like transfer from one county to another county? No, it would be a completely different hiring process, but I believe I would keep all uh, my state benefits um, but we also have in, in my county, we also have county benefits as well. Okay. So that's what you're saying, but it's a, it's a, it's a hybrid system. Mm-hmm. You got some state benefits and some state stuff, right. but everything's good. You have to vote if they apply from county. Okay. That's different. My state, um, it's a state system. We're state employees. We're assigned. There's, uh, officers in every county. We have offices in every county, but we are state employees. Um, that's how it's run. So that's that's kind of the differences. I thought what kind of kind of curious. Mm-hmm. All right, so Rita, think about your county department that you work for. On a scale to one to ten, on a two hat scale to be specific, um, on one to one to ten, with one being a social worker and ten being a law enforcement officer, deputy sheriff, police officer, where would you say your agency falls? Well, I've been in this system for a long time, so I guess it would depend on what period of time it would be. But for now, right now, um, in this time period, I would rate it probably around a five. Around a five, so right in the middle. Okay. So my follow-up question is, where is Rita on the two-hat scale? Um. I think that my cat has something to say. Go away. Um, You know, I I think it just depends on uh, who I encounter. Um, I am a strong believer of meeting people where they're at. So um, I don't think there's a one size fits all um, approach. So I I would say I'm a five, but I change real quick. Okay. (laughs) Depends. That's fair. Now, is now uh, your agency in your county? Do you guys carry firearms, make arrests? Because I know Brittany's county didn't. Is yeah. that something that you guys do, or you guys kind of like hers? No, we do. We do not carry, um, and we do not make arrests. Okay. Okay. All right, so Rita, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us your background, education, um, how you kind of got into this field. No, give us all the juice, all the tea. <laughs> but first, uh, what made you want to get into this field? 
I, I actually um, wanted to get my doctorate in criminal psychology. Um, but, you know, things happen, marriages, kids, you know, um, and I ended up with my bachelor's degree and um, I had family members that were probation officers. So, you know, I kind of knew um, what the field was and, you know, uh, so working for the county and the state, you've got benefits and, you know, uh, that's where I was at. I started out in juvenile, actually. Um, and uh, that two years into that, that was not for me. Um, I feel like I would have gotten in lots of trouble uh, dealing with these children. Um, so... I said, well, let me try my hand at adults, um, you know, and here I am about 15 plus years later, still, still going. So, um, but I, I have a bachelor's degree in criminology um, and uh, I wanted to, you know, do something with criminology, um, not necessarily probation officer, but, you know, that's where I ended up and that's where I'm at, so. It's not very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> She's well seasoned. Fifteen years, wow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you also see yourself retiring as a probation officer? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm too long in the tooth to be doing something else. I, I, you know, but I actually, I'm not just a probation officer. I actually do um, um, work for. Um, our local women's center and you know it's a nonprofit, and i i do other work as well um and uh so you know i i'm not just the probation officer but yeah i'll retire doing this for sure <laughs> see, I, I started as a juvenile officer too so i definitely i definitely feel you see where you're coming from um you know, definitely myself made a switch over to adults, so I definitely, uh, I, can, I can, I can, I can feel your pains and all that. Um, cause that's where dealing with the juveniles was worse than dealing with the adults. Because mm -hmm. with juveniles, it's, it's, and you probably agree with me, it's, it's not the kids, it's the parents. Well, you're dealing with the entire family and the entire social structure that they're in, and, um, you know, even if the kid wants to get their stuff together, you've got parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents, whoever's, um, you know, around them, uh, you know, making that impossible, uh, depending on what they're in. And nine times out of 10, it was, you know, the uh, family issue. Um, yeah, and, and not always criminal, just, you know, maybe a toxic environment, whatever. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're dealing with all these other adults that, uh, you know, are having a hard time um, finding their way. And so how is this 15, 16 year old kid gonna uh, combat that? So, um, but adults, it's like, you know, we deal with the adult and we don't have to deal with anybody else for the most part. Um, although you run across some that you do have to deal with family, you know, because of uh, diminished capacities or something like that. So uh, Rita, tell us about what it is like being, what was a day-to-day functions? What exactly do you do 
as a uh, probation officer in Texas um, that doesn't carry, doesn't make arrests, um, what, what are your daily functions? What is it all that you do? So mainly um, we supervise, uh, usually a regular officer is going to supervise anywhere from um, 100 to 150 cases. It depends. We have an ebb and flow of um, uh, how many cases we have at any given time. Uh, we're going to, we're supervising those cases focused on um, really rehabilitation, uh, especially now um, there's been a shift Um we're wanting to treat um, substance use, if any, mental health issues, if any, um, at the forefront of what we do. And so that's going to be our focus from a day to day. So um, a lot of times uh, when I go in in the morning, um, I'm on a 410 shift. So if I go in, I'll see about 10 to 15 probationers um, every 30 minutes. Um, and then, uh, our focus is going to be, uh, needs, uh, rather than really conditions, but usually, hopefully if we've done our job correctly, the, um, the needs is going to meet the conditions. Um, and we're going to focus on, you know, what's, what's going on with that person. Um, and then, you know, you, you prepare, court documents um you've, at any given time you've got people going to court on summonses you've got um motions to file um you know somebody just got arrested and um so i've got to get with the the police the local police department get the offense report review that staff the case uh with a supervisor make a recommendation and then send over a packet to the da's office and um you know they'll either file the motion or not Nine times out of ten, they're going to file the motion, and then uh, the um, the judge will either sign the warrant or sometimes they don't have to. Um, but like I said, I mean, 10, 10 out of ten, they're going to sign that warrant, and then you know I'll try to get them picked up, um, whether it's by bringing them in the office or uh, sending them to an absconder unit that we have, uh, and then that unit's comprised of deputies that go out and uh, or make arrests. Um, for motions and that's that's basically my day <laughs> so it's most so your position was like just an office position just in you're just in the office doing paperwork a lot of case management stuff lots of case management um it's uh it's not the it's not my cup of tea i i don't enjoy this particular um part of the job. Um, I'm usually in the court. Um, I like that job better, but, um, but yeah, um, case management, it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking in the office. Um, we do go out and do field visits, uh, at times, but, um, it's always for a purpose. Like somebody didn't show up and I can't get a hold of them. Um, I'll talk to the supervisor and we'll go out and, um, take a look and see, does this address exist? Is it, do they live there? Um, that kind of thing. So, but. How do you possibly have the time to actually go out to people's houses if you have managing 150 people? We don't. Where, where's the time? <laughs> we don't have the time. Um, it's, it's a problem. 
Um, we, um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, people will, there's a revolving door as far as, um, uh, officers go, people are leaving for all kinds of different reasons. Um, we don't, uh, they'll disperse their cases to other officers, um, and not fill the position sometimes. And, and it's, it's hard. Um, it's, it's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're paid this much in any other, uh, job, you know, you get paid X amount of dollars to do X amount of work. And then if you're going to add something, you know, like, okay, well, where's my, you know, where's my compensation for adding to my duties and, and this, in this particular business, um, that's not the case. And, and that's harsh. And I probably would get chastised for saying that out loud, but I mean, we're not compensated for additional work it's just it's expected well you know you do whatever is is needed but no we don't we don't have time in our schedules um we make the time and then we pay for it later so that brings me to my point you mentioned that you don't have time how is it being how is work-life balance because i get we get a lot of listeners who want to get into the field so they kind of want to know, get a feel for how things are done in each um, area. Mm-hmm. So how is the work-life balance for you? Um, I find that uh, at the end of the day, I leave. And, and I've, I've found that the further away I live from my job, um, the nicer it is. I know that's weird with gas prices. <laughs> but um, no, I, I get a chance to decompress. Um, because what we're doing is highly emotional. I mean, we're, we're exchanging energies with these people, um, coworkers and probationers alike, um, you know, uh, and, and it's not always kind and it's not always a good energy to come home with because, you know, people will attach to you, their aura or whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, so I, I drive home and if my drive is a little over 20 minutes, then it's good because <laughs> I can, whatever I need to do. If, if I need to be upset, I can be upset. If I need to blast music and, you know, cuss everybody out um, in the safety of my, uh, my vehicle, then I can do that. Uh, say all the things that I couldn't say during the day. Um, and uh, if I need to, I can come home and shower and scrub all that off of me. Um, I know that's cliche, but it's, it works. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to take on my, my home life. And luckily um, my county has done what they call a uh, flex schedules. So um, I actually can work four tens instead of um, five, eight hour days. So I'm not going to work as many days. So I'm off in the middle of the week or at the end of the week or at the beginning of the week, whichever I choose. Um, and so that gives me a, a whole day of, you know, um, time to go to do a doctor's appointments or take the kids here, take the kids there, take care of stuff at the school, uh, whatever I need to do. Um, you know, and, and I utilize that, uh, that time, that I have during the week. So that way on the weekends, it's not so, you know, ridiculous when you've got all this stuff to do. And, uh, so I utilize that, but, uh, 
So is it a, a set shift, like, or do you have like rotating weekends? I know Chris here, <clears throat> he has his take on on that. But how is it where you are? It's set, so it's individualized, um, which is nice. Um, so, like, if I wanted to be off on a Fridays or Mondays, um, I can. But you set the day. You're like, I'm going to be off on Mondays, and I'm going to work ten hours uh, Tuesday through Friday. And then, so that way, every Monday you're off. So you get a three-day weekend. Basically. That's nice. Yeah. And we don't work weekends, so um, so that's great. Um, you know, and uh, I think that it's important to um, that they offer that. And it's a, well, I won't go into that because that's too. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's important that they offer that because I think they um, acknowledge that, you know, we don't get many perks as far as pay goes. So I think that was their way of trying to be like, okay, well, we'll, we'll work with you guys on, on, uh, scheduling, uh, your days. And, and so that was, you know, it was a bone, I guess. I mean, it was, it's nice. It is nice. <laughs> um, so for any single parents that are listening, cause and a lot of females, I get a lot of females that hit me up. They're like, Hey, I want to be a probation officer. Can I do this? If I have kids and, Da, 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 da. What do you think? Can a single mom or a single dad do this job and still be there for their children? Oh, I did it for years, almost a decade. I was single and uh, three kids um, and we're going here, we're going there. They've, you know, they've got, um, you know, all these activities. Um, everybody's got braces. Everybody's breaking their arm. I mean, you know, <laughs> It's, it's a thing. Everybody's um, busy. They're horrible. I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking when I had children, but um, <laughs> love them, love them to death. But, you know, geez, it's always something. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great because I, I would recommend the um, being a probation officer because it's Monday through Friday, usually. I mean, I guess in this area, um, you get holidays. So you're with your family, you've got your weekends, you're with your family, that's a thing. Um, nights, you're with your family. Um, and uh, you get uh, vacation, sick time um, that you can utilize. Um, so I think that, you know, and, and I don't get um, ridiculous um, looks or um, I can't believe you're gonna take off today, you know, hey, my kid has the flu. They're like, okay, yeah, you, you take care of, you take care of your family and, you know, please don't come to work. <laughs> we got this. Um, I definitely agree with you on the work-life balance. I think that's the one thing that over the years of me being an officer that I've kind of had to learn and make adjustments to. Um, and it's kind of like, I remember when I first started uh, being a juvenile officer and I remember my first supervisor told me, it was like, you know, make the job work for you. You know, the job is set, what it is. There's a certain amount of flexibility in it, but make it work for you. And I really don't understand what that meant. Um, of course, you know, being young, just getting into the field, being all excited, you know, you know, I would do stuff like have my work cell phone on all the time. I have it on me all the time. And, you know, so they call me after hours. They call me on the weekend. I'm answering. I'm putting out fires and dealing with situations and things like that. And then, you know, the more years I put in, I'm to the point now where I'm like, as soon as I walk out the door, the phone is off. Yep. You know, um, 
you know, clearly my supervisor have my personal number, so there is something going on. Um, you know, something I need to be know, I need to know about. They can reach me or if they have a question or something, they can call me on my personal number. But my, my personal my work phone is off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as soon as soon as soon as the quitting time hits, I'm out the door. You know, and it's not like the old me when I was younger. I'll say, oh, well, let me stay over and you know take this extra 20, 20 30 minutes. Let me finish this report or finish X Y Z. No, tomorrow's another day. I'll worry about it tomorrow. But you have yeah. to have that work-life balance. You have to be able to turn it off and then go about and then you know go go about do you know enjoying your life, enjoying your family. And I think that's a big thing. My my department now is they're starting to really kind of move towards and work towards. Um, do you guys you guys don't have being on call, do you? Uh, no, thank goodness, because I'd be like, no, no, thank you. I mean, hell no. I mean, no, thank you. And I not going. No, no, you're not calling me. Please, please do not call me on the weekends unless it's like the whole office has COVID. Don't come in, you know, um, or it's burnt down. Don't don't come to work. Please call me then. But other than that, don't call me. Don't hit um, me up. I'm putting my phone on do not disturb. Yeah. Yeah. I I know. And, and, and I get you, uh, when I was younger, um, you know, in the field and staying until six or seven, looking up and being like, oh crap, I'm the only one in the building and not realizing that all my coworkers have left and I'm sitting there trying to finish what I have to do because there's a stack. And, um, you know, then now I'm like, you know what, that stack will be there on Monday or tomorrow and I'll work on it again tomorrow you know and now, i always found like the stack was never ending you never really finish it's always something it's never ending but girl i would finish <laughs> at seven. what's your definition i'm glad you brought this up what's your definition of finish i all my i would get all, everything done all my motions done and in the mail all um the court documents done and and gone um all the chronos done and files put away and I wouldn't have anything on my desk. It would be all clean. And then that way, when I came in in the morning, I wouldn't feel so overwhelmed. Because what was happening is I would, I would dread coming in in the morning because my office was such a mess. Because believe it or not, I'm a little bit OCD. Uh, but I call it a lazy perfectionist because if I can't do it right, then I don't want to do it at all. So I could leave a stack of dishes. But... If I can't wash them right, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. And and when I would come in in the mornings, I would, you know, almost have a panic attack coming to work because I knew that all that stuff was waiting for me. And uh, I just had to kind of change my perspective of what that meant to me. So for me, it meant that I wasn't doing my job correctly. And I was afraid. I was like, oh, my God, you know, somebody's going to be mad, blah, blah, blah. And then I realized I was like, you know what? Let them be mad. Write me up, you know. Let's let's do this. I, <laughs> I'll sign whatever you want, you know. I mean, um, so I mean, it's like, what are they gonna do? Give me more, more work? Maybe. No, just kidding. <laughs> and Chris and I, we always go back and forth about safety, officer safety. He always makes fun because I told I told him when I was a PO, we never had any weapons we didn't have to carry and I didn't feel like the job was dangerous but he has um he's of the mindset where 
he feels it is a very dangerous job and he would not do this job without having a weapon. So what do you think about that? Oh, I agree. I think we're sitting ducks. I, um, I absolutely hate that. Um, I think that we are the huge, the biggest targets. Um, and, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, Brittany. You but, think that you are the biggest target and you've done this, you've been in this field all this time without a weapon. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> so obviously you not that worried about it. Oh no, I'm worried about it. Um, just because. Oh, I you do. Oh, that's interesting. Well, yeah, just because I don't have a weapon, um, doesn't mean I can't protect myself. Um, you know, there are other weapons other than guns. Um, one of them is your mind and, um, assessing a situation and not putting yourself in a situation that can go south and that you can't get out of. Uh, safely. And, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of it, you know, these field visits that we do unarmed with our own personal vehicles, um, you know, so people can follow you home. That's never been something I've understood, but you're going out there. And, you know, if I see a, a neighborhood where I know what that neighborhood is, I'm not doing it. We're not going in there. No, thank you. You know, and if anybody has anything to say about it, they can they can come talk to me, but I'm not doing it. They can send me with an officer um, or something alternative, but I'm passing on through and I'm not even going to turn into the neighborhood. If it doesn't look safe, um, I'm not I'm not going to approach that house. Um, and you don't have um, officers that understand that, Brittany. So <laughs> they might be like, oh, yeah, let's let's drive up into the driveway. And you're going, no, you don't drive up into the driveway. No. Or there's a gated drive and they want to drive into the gate. No, <laughs> no, thank you. And, and I don't want to get kidnapped either, if you don't mind, um, you know, or, or it's out in the country and, and there's dolls hanging by their heads uh, on nooses and. Yeah, I, no thanks. No thanks. I'm gonna drive by that. Um, Absolutely not. <laughs> we have we have country here, and um, yeah. if there's a pig head on a stake, uh, what? But okay. So, so have you ever experienced these things? Or are you speaking out of hypotheticals? No, no, no. I'm telling you what I've seen. Oh my god. <laughs> but um, you know, and I'm I'm going. You know, there's there's big cages out there, um, covered with tarps. And I I told my coworker I said, um. I guarantee you there's women or children in those cages and we're not, no, no, thank you. I'm not going to be abducted. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and so I was like, no, we're, we're passing by this. And, you know, we, uh, basically articulated that it did not look or feel safe. Um, and so, you know, but I've never gotten, um, I've never had issues when I say I do not feel safe. I have never had an issue with my management where they're like, well, you're doing it anyways, ever, not once. They say, okay, well then don't, you know, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll move on and we'll, you know, talk to the judge, get a warrant, have, have a deputy go out there, whatever, whatever the issue is, you know, we'll, we'll resolve it uh, with law enforcement and not me who, um, who has no means of protecting myself. Now, in my personal life, I do have means of protecting myself and I do, um, no, you know, I'm protected. But um, when I'm on duty, I'm not. So, but like I said, there's there's ways to protect yourself other than, you know, a gun. And I don't know about some of these officers carrying a gun. Honestly, I feel less protected if some of my coworkers had guns in their hip. I uh, would, yeah, no. Um, so, you know. Have you ever felt 
like you were in a dangerous position in your office? Have you ever had to deal with like a combative defendant or client? And you, at mm-hmm. that moment, you, you felt like you were in danger and you wish you had a weapon. Anything like that ever happened? No, I don't, I don't ever wish I had a weapon. Um, I think that there's a big responsibility that comes with having that weapon. And um, I, I would never want to put myself in a position to use it. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know if I'd be able to get through something like that, regardless of whether I saved myself or someone else. I, uh, I think that there's, you know, uh, but yeah, I've been in a situation in the office where, um, you know, people, a person was in the lobby banging, um, you know, on the walls and the windows and, you know, he was very violent, um, and, uh, you know, ended up committing a very heinous crime afterwards. Um, and we were in danger. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, the cops came and they dealt with the situation, you know, how they felt they needed to be dealt with. And, um, and that's how we handled it. Luckily he wasn't in the office yet. He was in the lobby still. Um, so, uh, you know, everyone was smart enough, like I said, you know, not to bring him back into the secured area. Um, but, and so, like I said, it starts with planning and, uh, you know, being smart about what kind of situations you put yourself in. Um, that could have been a very bad situation if somebody had let him come back into the office instead of dealing with him in the lobby. Um, so, um, and then, you know, I've had many, uh, probationers that were known to be very dangerous. And, um, you know, I had one that I think he was very, um, very dangerous and very scared that he was going to hurt someone one day. Um, and he ended up ending his own life, but there were a lot of times when, you know, that, that feeling in the back of your neck, you know, that tingly feeling that you get, or that cold feeling in your stomach, um, when you know that, you know, this person is dangerous and he is dangerous to me. Um, and, uh, I've had that feeling a lot and that's when, you know, I do, I've employed, uh, de-escalation techniques. I have, um, you know, uh, used my training in, um, de-escalating the situation, getting out of the situation as, uh, quietly as possible. Um, and, um, you know, and luckily I've never been like physically assaulted, um, except for, I think somebody threw a pen at me one time, maybe some papers, but other than that, that's about it. So, and can we uh, get a little bit into that training you mentioned you, you used experience from your training. What does that look like for a PO in your area? So, and that was a long time ago. I'm not even sure that they have that training anymore or that they send people to it because nobody knows what I'm talking about when I bring it up in uh, to my coworkers, especially my newer coworkers. Um, and I'm not sure that they, um, I'm not sure when I had the training. I think it was, it was called de-escalation techniques. And I can't remember if I went away for it. I want to say that I did. Um, or if we had it in the office, um, I want to say that we went away for it. Um, and basically it talks about how to deal with a person who is, um, 
or, or how to um, identify the uh, signs of an escalating situation, a, a dangerous situation. So um, body language, um, tone of voice, um, you know, listening to your own body and gut when it comes to uh, who you're dealing with or the, the surroundings that you're in. Um, and we touch on it a little bit when we do um, um, hand-to-hand stuff. Um, we do a little bit of hand-to-hand. Um, recently, speaking of weapons, um, we did a baton training. So I think that we're going to start, uh, we're gonna get uh, batons. Um, and then we, they've done some talking about a, an airsoft type of weapon um, for certain individuals in the office. So um, hopefully they'll vet them very well and it won't be the ones that I think is probably more dangerous. But um, yeah, I, I think that the, the de-escalation is, is uh, something that we used to do a lot. And then it's touched on here and there as, as we go. But um, really, I, every time I bring it up, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> so... I don't. For the people who want to be probation officers that are listening, or some that maybe are already probation parole officers and they want to transfer to Texas, what does that hiring process look like? And how long is the training? Do you guys have an academy? And how does mm-hmm. that go? There's no academy. There is a certification training that you do probably within the first six months of your employment. Um, the employment process, you're going to fill out a application with the county. And then the probation department will set up your interviews and stuff like that. I don't know what that process looks like now because, I mean, it's been so long since I've been hired. Um, I think my process was I did two interviews and then a um, an interview that where they offered a, an offer interview where they offered you the position kind of thing and you discussed salary. But um, I don't think they do that anymore. I think it's pretty much like here's your here's how much it is and you know take it or leave it yeah do you want that i don't know though i i don't know and i haven't asked anybody because i feel like you know yeah so but that was my process 15 years ago <laughs> gotcha you know it sounds pretty simple we've talked to a lot of different probation and parole officers across america and there's some pretty extensive things that they've had to do. So that sounds pretty quick and easy and painless. It seems like it still is. Um, uh, You might, I think maybe there's a tier process now, um, I think is what I saw in the policy um, manual. Uh, It was real easy for me too. So I'm thinking Texas is the way to go, guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that big a deal. Now, there are some counties in Texas that do carry. And do have, you know, academies and stuff like that, I think. Um, I'm pretty sure. But it's like their own little thing. What do you mean, like their own little thing? Um, It's their own uh, process. Um, But they have, uh, there are uh, counties, or I have coworkers that were previous employees of different other counties that did carry. And um, they you know, had a warrants team and all that. Um, and they went, went out and executed warrants. So I need to research that because I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, something I, I need to put, put a note in. 
Yeah, I can't remember the actual county, um, but I can reach out to the officer and ask. Oh, um, that would be great. And uh, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, th there is, I know there is one. Uh, and I can't remember what it is, though. So, so. so Reed, let me ask you a question. So a big part of what we do is we we interview people from all over the, all over the country, different different jurisdictions, to find out how they do things where they are. Because it's you know you have this generic title of probation officer, but the responsibilities and the job functions they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. So, my question to you is: Would you have accepted the job if it did require field work, arrests, carrying a firearm? Um, doing all those kind of things in addition and, you know, in addition to the, the regular case management stuff, or do you think that the way it is where you're at is how you, how you'd want a job and no more, no less? I think I would have accepted it. Um, I, I don't have a problem with it um, at all. I just have a problem with other people that have been hired, not in that capacity, all of a sudden being responsible for training and holding a weapon. Um, and, um, that would make me feel very unsafe. So, but yes, I would have, I mean, if that was the requirement or if that became the requirement, um, I would, I would do it gladly. I, I don't have a problem with it. So if you're, if your agency started transitioning to that way and gave people the kind of choice, like, Hey, listen, this is where we're going if you're not with it, then, hey, listen, then it's time for you to bow out um, or we can, you know, find you another position like a secretary or something. Um, would you still want to stay on for your remainder until you retire? Oh, yeah, I would stay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So my, my follow-up question to that is you've been doing this, you said, about 15 years or so, right? Yes. Is there a particular reason why you you are not or have not seeked to get into a supervisory management role? Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's it's one thing to supervise uh, probationers. It's a totally different story supervising uh, coworkers. Um, and I wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, I think the, um, you know, dealing with everyone's um, emotional issues, um, their home life, issues, their um, issues with how management is doing this, how their issues with how they're dealing with their own casework, um, addressing um, things like that. No, thank you. No, no. <laughs> thank you, but <laughs> um, and that's why I just have no um, uh, now, if they had like a, a middle ground position where all you did was, you know, training or walk around going, hey, what do you need help with? You know, do you need help with certain aspects of your casework? Are you are, are you feeling comfortable with, you know, how you're conducting office visits? Is there something I can help you with and, you know, uh, clarify for you in MI? Is there a situation that you could have handled better that you want to discuss without involving management? I would do that. Um, which I think is extremely lacking. I don't know about other counties, but I think it's extremely lacking in in our in ours. Um, you know, we, we like don't a have, like a training officer type position. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of support. It's kind of like sink or swim. 
you know, you get, you get thrown in, you sit with an officer for maybe a week, maybe. Um, and then you get, you get on this caseload and you may be fresh out of school. You, you may have had a coaching job or you may have had a teaching job or you may have, you know, come from a different world than what we're in. And you have no idea what's about to hit you. And then that's it. You sink or swim. It's time to pedal, you know, and here's a brick, by the way. Oh, here's another brick. Here's a concrete block. And then you have no um, support other than a supervisor telling you, well, why didn't you do this? Well, you need to do that. You know, um, and, and I'm not diminishing our, our great supervisor. We have some great supervisors, but, you know, they can't do what I'm talking about because they have other duties. Um, we have senior officers. They have a caseload, too. So when are they supposed to just stop everything and look at your stuff and say, hey, you know, you need to work on dealing with this issue. And here's how you do that. Um, or somebody can come to you and, and say, hey, I'm having problems with this and not be afraid of oh, well, management's going to put that in my file, you know, that I had problems with blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I think that that's a part of, you know, our uh, field that uh, that is lacking. We we don't get a lot of support. Um, all of our budget and all of our funding is to help probationers. And I think that's great. Um, but we're people, too. You know, at the end of the day, we take this stuff home. Sometimes we take it hard. Um, you know, we emotionally get attached to our probationers, you know, whether it's um, because we're rooting for them or because we're being abused verbally. Um, and I think that uh, there's a big lack of support, you know, when it comes to that aspect of what we do, because there's a lot of transference. Um, but so if, you know, management, no, no, thank you. Um, support a support team or, you know, a coach or a trainer or something like that. Um, that's responsible for the care of, of, of our coworkers. Yeah, absolutely. I would do something like that, but I'm, I'm not gonna be a supervisor ever. No, thank you. That was very well, very well put, <laughs> very, very articulate and clear. Of what your position is. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so let me ask you this then. It, how, how, how does law enforcement view you guys? Since you guys have to, you know, count on them to go out and make your arrests and to mm -hmm. kind of come save you if there's a problem in the office. Exactly like how do they view you? What's the working relationship? Um, yeah, let's dive into that. Sure. Um, that's interesting. I have very strong feelings on this subject. Um, a lot of which may require background that would give some detail about where I'm from and what, who I am. So, um, I'll try to answer that in vague, in a vague way, but, um, I think that they view us as, um, we, we always, we joke and call ourselves the redheaded stepchildren of the County. Um, and so I think it's, they feel like it's kind of a nuisance at times and we, certain people get a lot of, um, attitude. Um, but of course, you know, that's probably because they give it to, um, so, you know, I, I think that they, 
they kind of don't, they understand what we do, but they don't understand what we do. And I think they think they understand what we do. So the attitude is that doesn't make sense a lot of times. So, you know, and, and they, they try to, um, like if they're doing an arrest and it's for a, um, motion to revoke, you know, they'll tell the defendant, oh, well, you know, this is a, you didn't do community service because it says motion to revoke community supervision. And so automatically they think community service. I don't know why, um, but it's a, it's a theme that I've seen for 15 years (laughs) and the mama inevitably mom or grandma or auntie or whoever calls me and is like, they didn't have community service. What they did their community service. I don't understand. And I have to explain, no, that's not why that doesn't make sense. Um, well, the officer told them that. So, well, I'm sorry. The officer said that, but that's not correct. You need to contact your attorney, blah, blah, blah. So, um, I, I think that it's a lot of misinformation and, and, and I think the reason is, is everybody has their own job to do. So, you know, nobody's really invested in finding out what other people are doing or what their their mission is. So a lot of them probably think that we're just there to shuffle paper around until somebody um, violates their probation and then we ask for a warrant. So I think that's their view, um, which I mean, that kind of puts words in their mouth. So I feel bad about that. But uh, it's just your opinion. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know that they understand exactly what we do. Do you think it would be easier if you guys could just make your own arrest? In this climate with, um, no. <laughs> huge liability and, and we'd probably get sued. Oh, could, wow. I mean, you know, you've got people that just go overboard sometimes. Because Chris loves it. Not loves that in that regard, but he likes that level, okay, this is my offender, this is this case is what I'm supervising, and I kind of know this person, so he can facilitate that arrest. Right. Where um, you were like, okay, no, we we shouldn't have our hands on that at all. Well, our thinking is, and, and the, the thinking of the powers that be, whoever came up with this idea, um, was way before me, I don't, I don't know who, but um, their thinking is, is that um, the process is easier if we remove ourselves from it because we are invested in their case and they are invested with us in their case. And so the, I, I guess it's the mentality of, you know, when you take your kid to daycare, um, you hand them over kicking and screaming and crying and you leave and you don't come back and you don't let the kid see you, right? Because when you leave and you shut the door, the kid stops crying and they're cool, you know, and they have a good day. But when they can see you, they freak out. So I think that that's, I know that's kind of a oversimplification of the situation, but I think that's the mentality is, you know, if, if we're not involved, then the person will be less um, upset or less aggressive or less, you know, freaking out and asking all kinds of questions. And then we're sitting there trying to answer all these questions and arguing back and forth. And then there's another incident. Um, I think that's the mentality there, but, um, whether that's accurate or not, I, I can't really say, I, I think that there's argument on both sides, but, um, like I said, in this, in the climate that we're in, 
in in our county and the way we've done it for so many years and the people that we have because i think they would the hiring process would weed out a lot of people that are probation officers um right now if they those individuals like you said knew that they were going to have to carry that they were going to have to do arrests um that was more of a law enforcement type um job Mm -hmm. i think that would weed out a lot of people that are employed right now in our department and so if you're asking me do i think we need to do arrests no 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 i was of that same mindset like if i had applied for that job and they said that that those two things were a part of the job description it would have been a no for me because i just wasn't Mm -hmm. interested in that type of thing like i would go be a cop if that's what i wanted to go do but right right so i so hopefully if they did change it which they would just you know that would be a long process they would have to weed out a lot of people because I don't know. Oh, yeah. Just say, oh, by the way, you're going to be T-Close certified. You're going to carry a weapon and you're going to make arrests. Uh, uh, I think a lot of people and, and they would be like, take it or leave it. I, I don't know that that's even doable. Or that brings me to you, Chris. What if your department says, you know, guys, we're going to transition from carrying to not carrying. Not carrying. <laughs> how, how, how do you think that would go for you personally? Um, one, I, I, the way this department is, they, they wouldn't because we are considered law enforcement. Well, we're just speaking in hypotheticals. Hypothetically, then my answer would be I would, have, I would, I would probably look into like being a deputy or an officer at that point. Um, because this, I, I, I personally cannot see myself doing this, doing this job unarmed. That's, yeah, that's interesting. We have like two different <laughs> ends of the spectrum here. <laughs> yeah, we um, I I, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of people would be like, "Ooh, I'm out," you know, and they would yeah <laughs> their places. But um, I, I don't know if they could do that kind of big, huge push or ultimatum. Um, I think that they might start with, okay, this is an option. If you want to go through the training, then you can carry. Hey, look, um, they might be nudging you guys that way. They're already about to do some baton training and all this stuff. You know, maybe in a couple of years, hey, let's do this firearms training. <laughs> yeah, we went we went to the baton baton training and we did uh we fought <laughs> and uh you know with that baton and and man, um you had to fight for so many um seconds and and you know like i've always said because you know people people talk mess and i've always said you know hey if you're in a if you're in a fight and you don't have a weapon like a real weapon you don't have any handcuffs you ain't got nothing you're in a fight until somebody gets there so that can be five minutes ten minutes you know if you're lucky um so you're in a fight hopefully with one person because you know they've got people you know they've got neighbors they've got you know sisters brothers whoever um and you're not gonna last two minutes and so it was interesting because everybody's like oh no you know i'd be you know i'd do this i'd do that like no um because your adrenaline goes and you know all of a sudden you can't breathe (laughs) so um you know uh we did that training and they made us fight for several minutes and um everybody's like yeah, freaking out. What was the purpose? Why did they introduce you or make you guys do that training? Are they issuing you batons? Yeah. Because the whole point of a baton is the less than lethal force 
in order to effectuate an arrest, but you guys will make arrests. So what's the point? It's not a defensive tool. That's not what it's designed for. Right. It's not. It's right. not for you to you know fight off somebody until the cops get there. That's just not what it's for. So what's the point? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I I don't believe that it's the the right response, but um, we've had some incidences um, that I probably shouldn't talk about because I think that that would probably give away too much. But um, we've had some incidences that um, have proven that we are not safe in the field. We have no protection. Um, and so I think they're trying to make it so that we feel safer. Um, I don't agree at all um, with the way that they're going about it. I don't agree with a baton. If you're in close quarters with um, anybody and, and already engaged in a fight where you have to use a baton, you're gone. You're incapacitated or worse, you know? Um, and there's no way that um, even with that kind of training, um, we are safer because of that. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, but, you know, I think what it did do was kind of prove to people, um, you know, that if you're in a situation like that and you're in a fight and somebody just keeps coming at you, um, you've got about a minute at best and, then you're gone. You're either knocked out and hopefully that's it. And they run away. Um, or you're dead. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. So do you have, you, did they give you your baton or just sent you to the training? They just sent me to the training. Um, I haven't gotten anything yet. Um, I know that there's other weapons that are going to be made available to certain people. Um, not everyone. Are um, they looking at the guys getting you pepper spray? Yes. Um, well, we, we trained for that too. So we'll have pepper spray as well. I'm sorry. I didn't make that known, but yes. So we'll have pepper spray too, which I think is absolutely ridiculous because if you're going to spray someone, you're spraying yourself. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to incapacitate somebody, I'm going to incapacitate myself on their lawn. Like that's stupid. Why would I do that? I'm sorry, but that's the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Um, I'm not using pepper spray. No, thank you. So it'll probably stay in my desk. Um, and I'll go on knowing that I'm not going to that house because that looks dangerous. And then I won't even be there in the situation. So I won't need a baton or a spray. Um, sorry, I have strong feelings about this. Um, it, it's ridiculous. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, are, you, are you getting the vibe that they're trying to make a change? They're trying to move you guys in that direction? Or you think it's just some knee-jerk reaction that management is doing? I think it's a reaction, honestly. Um, and I think that um, if they were trying to move in that direction, um, they're going about it in a weird roundabout way that doesn't make any sense at all to me. I don't know everything, so maybe they're smarter than I am. I don't know, but I doubt it. Um, but no, I, I don't. <laughs> it does not make sense to me. Um, I don't think we'll ever be moving in the direction of um, everyone carrying a weapon. Um, for reasons that I probably can't say, but, um, but I think that maybe we'll go in the direction of people will be carrying that are sent through a certain training maybe and have like a unit 
So if they made it, if they made it optional, would you would you jump on board and do it? Um, I think it would depend on it would depend on what I was doing at the time. Um, uh, I think that the only time they're going to deem it necessary is if it's like a fielding unit, if they choose to go in that direction, because we don't have a fielding unit. Um, so if they choose to go in the direction of having a fielding unit, then they may have them carry. But um, I, I don't think I would go in that direction with my career because I'm tired. <laughs> so I want to, before we end this episode, Rita, I would like for you to give us one like amazing experience that you've had, something that's unforgettable um, that you would like to share with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Great. Put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> perfect. Uh, unforgettable you know I've had a lot of experiences that have been that have just kind of stuck with me um you know I work really hard with individuals to basically just meet them where they're at call them call them on their bullshit and really get into what is it that you need in your life like why are you here what are you doing you know and is this is this what you saw for yourself because i mean at the end of the day i have a different moral compass and different experiences in my life than they do they are you know we we cannot judge based on our own experiences because you know perception is reality and if they perceive a certain way because of the experiences that they've had in their lives, then that's where we need to start. And I think that doing that is jarring to people, especially people who um, who aren't ready for it. Um, but the people that are ready for it, um, that's the amazing experience is watching somebody go from making um, choices that are, um, detrimental to their lives and their goals and watching them change the way they approach certain situations and problems and then watching the reaction and the 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 karma that builds in their lives and when i have somebody that's on probation for years i mean i've had people that are on probation for 10 years and i've gone through the entire probation with them and they've gone with me everywhere because nobody else wants to deal with them um and literally taking them you know from uh one office to another um you know if i was moved or whatever and uh you know watching their progress now a lot of those um have ended up sad um but you know when you have somebody who's so closed off and so um uh, um, violent and to the point where they can't even have a conversation with you for the first two years. And then five years in, they're able to sit down and tell you about their childhood trauma um, is really, I think, the biggest accomplishment I can say that there is because, I, I mean... You know, that's so that's what makes the job re- rewarding for you. 
Right. And then, I mean, it ended very sadly. Um, but, you know, I, I did see a change. I saw it. I witnessed it. And, and not a lot of people get to see that um, in their lives. Um, and, and I don't think anybody realizes that that's really what we do. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. The change yeah. is what gets us to keep going and do this job. Right. And so I think that, you know, big, big flashy accomplishments are cool. But, um, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really focused on the little things every day, you know. Um, and uh, it may not end happy. It may have a sad ending. But at least for that moment, that person had clarity and um, you know, chose to, uh, live their life a certain way, um, and, and chose to break whatever cycle that they were in or that they had been taught. Um, and I think that's the, the big thing that I take with me and it keeps me going. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate you for being on today's episode. Well, Rita, thank you for being a family member here on the Two Hats podcast. We appreciate you. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to, you know, take what they've heard, um, you know, figure out if they want to, you know, pursue being an officer down there in Texas. You guys can follow us at the Two Hats podcast um, on Instagram. Um, you know, Brittany, go ahead and give them all your social media. We are trying to grow the Two Hats family. So please, guys, follow us on Two Hats Podcast Instagram account, as well as Two Hats Podcast on YouTube. And if you'd like to be featured in an upcoming episode, email us at twoheadspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you know, you can follow me at your favorite PO on all social media platforms. All right. Till next time, everybody be safe out there. Bye.